and welcome to Commagers. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. And I'm Katie. And today we are talking about the film adaptation of Jonathan Larson's autobiographical Broadway hit, Tick, Tick, Boom. But first, as always, we ask the most pressing question of every episode. What is everybody drinking this episode? What does everybody have for us? Well, it will come as no shock is that I that I am having some bourbon with mm. some uh, bitters and a little sugar. Also known oh, as what, what type? What type of bourbon? This oh, actually, it's rye. I shouldn't have, mm-hmm. I shouldn't have said that. This is Fortunato's Fate from New Liberty Distilling, which is aged in Spanish cherry casks. Mm. Ooh, I like the festive. literary influence yeah. for tonight's yeah. film. Very nice. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to hit three of the recommendations. She's probably going to get sick based on the evening. Uh, One what is, is on water here? because uh, Jonathan Larson couldn't afford much more than that. But he always did well, seem he was, to have alcohol. Yeah, we'll talk about it's that. It's fine. Uh, this one has caffeine in it, which I feel like it would be his preference of water. Uh, then there was a recommendation for a Manhattan. We got close. We don't have it. We don't have quite. Well, but, I, we do have sweet vermouth. I could have well, made you an, a Manhattan. This is perfect. I'm not a big Manhattan fan, but we'll call that a version of I Manhattan. I feel like Katie might like Manhattan. And then apparently, boozy milkshakes were a good thing to drink in the '90s. This is as close as I could get to it, which is um, a cream limoncello. Okay. You know, I like milk, but that's mm. like the look visual how, of that. How cute it is. It's this is, really this is like homemade. This is you homemade. You are mixing colored me. liquors, mm. like you have brown and white mm. and yep. like carbon. That's, that's like that's cream and, mm. and lemon and it's vodka. A- and I don't know. Yeah. I think they make it with a, cre- a green liquor. Green, yeah, it tastes green like alcohol. Acid. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I just lost a little morning. enamel love on my teeth. with you tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. See how you're feeling. Thanks. Make sure make sure I check early there. Um, <laughs> I got to go home for Thanksgiving to New York, which was fabulous, and I got to go to um, the amazing Newburgh Brewing, uh-huh. uh, which I love. Uh-huh. Story to go with this: I actually ran into another favorite member and graduating member of the University of Scranton, completely unprepared for this jess robinson what? who was there with her whole family as well celebrating that's amazing thanksgiving that she is was amazing. probably so happy to see you she oh, was very happy to see me really i'll have fun. you know very happy um but in honor i got a beer there celebrating everybody's favorite christmas egg angry egbert who is egbert the christmas egg <laughs> what the hell are you talking about <laughs> What is Egbert? <laughs> he is the Christmas egg, Jim. Egbert the Christmas egg. Is that something egg. that Newburgh Brewing has created? Or No, no, no. He is from my childhood. What? He is Wait. the Christmas egg. You can go and he will talk to you and you can tell him what you want for Christmas. At the... You need to clarify what the fuck are you talking about? Yes, Egbert is at a garden store. It started as a promotion, and oh. it's a giant egg uh, that sits on a throne, and you can go and tell him what you want for like Christmas. Like Humpty Dumpty? To- yes, kind of. He is a Christmas egg. I have so many questions. I don't- well, we could fact check him for next week, but here oh, he is. I actually right. have a yep. Christmas no, tree. Him know. and Butch are living of, in the Caribbean of, by now. Of Egbert. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> he and Butch are from the same universe. We're, we're mixing podcasts here, but <laughs> if you want to hear the story of Butch, you need to go listen to our That's shit Creek show. Yep. Podcast, yes. the shit show. Yes. Egbert. But Egbert. Wow. We'll be celebrating Egbert all month on the show. 
Okay. Are you going to hang him were, on the Charlie Brown tree? Oh, I took him off my real tree. An inanimate egg Christmas that answers Christmas questions? <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. Maybe do we celebrate that bias him on Festivus? Do you know, uh, Festivus and the I Christmas do, know, do you want the backstory? I do know a little bit on the oh, backstory. Oh, please tell us. Actually please tell us. Created, he looks Persian. I, he was created by someone at Cornell. So he is an <laughs> Ivy League Christmas egg, actually. Ivy League Christmas egg. Uh, he was actually at the World's Fair, he, so he was an ambassador wow. for our country. Oh, he's uh, old. And then, to what? And yes, and then he was purchased to be at this garden store around the holiday season, and they do like little models what? and things that you can walk through, and then Egbert will talk with you. Okay, okay, okay. I'm shocked and odd. Yeah, it's like it's one of those shocked. promotional things that has literally no connection to the thing it's promoting. It's just like no, not a none whatsoever. And there's no, yeah, like it's just why like somebody was egg? selling a, like something interesting, and they decided, yeah. this will be yeah. our thing, and, and it is. It's become our yeah. thing. It's yeah. become their Maybe thing. Maybe we we should uh, all meet up sometime and go see Egbert. Yeah, we'll meet you there. Uh, sure. He was closed. Shoot us a Texas time and place. We'll, we'll he was unfortunately um, closed due to COVID the last few years. But I've been informed that he is back and up and ready. Egbert's to go back. This year. Egbert. Egbert's back. Egbert. Egbert. He, he, right there. Okay. Is. So like you look at that. There is literally nothing about that little thing that tells me it's Christmas related other than. The fact that it looks like an ornament because it has a hook in it. Was a he a Christmas egg at he, the World's Fair, or was he just a giant egg? I don't know. He That's looks a like question. a Knights Templar. Like we've got to, yeah. we need to, we need to research <laughs> well, this further. Yeah, we could research for, it yep. some more. And okay. yeah, and I, I will say this: that he was brought to the brewery as a fundraiser. Huh. So he's been at the brewery before, and then they brew the beer, which well, is a New it? England style he, IPA. He looks like a bad guy in an Assassin's Creed game. Hmm. <laughs> he kind of does. And don't worry, I will post a picture on our Facebook page. Mm. So if if you're just listening to the show, yeah. All right. uh, that you can see Egbert. Uh, I bet you there are other people who've listened to the show that have been to Egbert. I need to know. Well, sure, because the only people might be your family. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you Jess Robinson has been to Egbert. Yeah. We need to know. All maybe right. Dan Barrio. Dan Barrio might have been to Egbert. It's in the Orange County. Only time uh, will okay. tell. It is time to talk about something vastly more interesting than Egbert. <laughs> yeah. And certainly more impactful on culture than Egbert. Mm. Uh, that is Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, Katie, tell us everything we mm. need to know about Tick, Tick, Boom. I this week on The Rundown. Egbert's Behind the Curtain. <laughs> I feel like this week should be dedicated to Chris Cuomo. This is Chris Cuomo's final rundown. Yeah, well, thanks for calling that up. Gone forever. Okay. This is short and sweet, everybody. This is a two sentence rundown. Jonathan wants to write the next American musical, but revolving roommates, mounting debts, a serious girlfriend, and the ticking clock of his life are making the struggle real. Thank goodness for the constant inspiration of sleeplessness, New York City, and caffeine. That's it. There you go. Yeah. Directed by Lynn Manuel Miranda, mm. uh-huh. based on the amazing Broadway show. New release on Netflix. So 
I, I, I might be crazy, but I think almost everybody has a Netflix subscription or is. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't, what's happening? Leeching off of somebody yeah. else's. So you someone you know can, has one that you can, you can watch. This is one of those movies yes. that you can have instant access to. And the question people want to know is, do they want to have instant access to this movie? How yes. are we grading it? The we'll start yes. with Katie. I, I, your grade? I give this an A+. Plus. And I'll be honest that I'm going into this with a nostalgia bias. Number one, we love Jonathan Larson. Jim and I were lucky enough to see Tick, Tick, Boom on Broadway. And we have been anxiously awaiting Lin-Manuel's take on it. I was not disappointed in the least. A plus. Jim. Uh, I'm going to give this uh, an A minus. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is still very high for me. I have there's well, there's you, one or two things that I high. sort of yeah. that I noticed on a second watch. But um, yeah, I really like this movie and can sit. I, I'm very excited after the letdown that was the Rent movie, which is borderline unwatchable um, for a whole host of reasons, mostly of like when it came out. It's like the mid 2000s was just a terrible time for oh, so much art. Um, <laughs> I'm so glad that this was in the hands of someone who uh, loved every bit of it as much as the folks that made Jonathan Larson a name. Do you know what was still going strong in the mid-2000s, even when all the other art was bad, everyone? Egbert. (laughs) I thought you were going to say chances are. (laughs) He was... No, no, please. Chances are came out in 1987, I I know. You said still going strong in the... (laughs) Uh, Okay, tick, tick, boom. I, myself... Never saw the Broadway show. Mm -hmm. I've certainly heard the music, probably. Um, I knew Rent better, which probably many people who are are casual Broadway people would know Rent. I think Rent was such a cultural phenomenon. Uh, I loved this movie. I thought it was fabulous. In fact, it's it's achieved all the things, and I think I'm going to bring up In the Heights a bunch. I think this is so much better than in the heights which we talked about earlier this year and not only did i think the performances were fabulous which i had heard prior to watching this like critics have been talking about andrew garfield as potentially getting an oscar nomination uh i think it is everything that a musical needs to be that is a film it has point of view it uses cinema uh, and the tools of cinema appropriately to tell the story. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you two can tell the difference. We, we could talk about the differences between seeing it on Broadway. and the, But this felt like a movie that was inspired by a musical as opposed to just some kind of retelling of the musical or, you know, all those types of things. Well, I think the direction yeah. was fabulous. So I'm an A as well. I thought it was, I was excited to watch it, but blown away by it. And how how much more I enjoyed it than I even thought I was going to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good podcast. We all love yep. it. It's great. It's, it's go great. It's wrap great. it up. Everybody, go watch. Uh, go go Happy, watch. It. Merry yep. Christmas. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> if you want to go see Egbert, <laughs> times are running short. Um, yeah. So, where where do you want to start talking about this? Because I find it very right out of the gate. I'm shocked at how well-directed this movie is, considering this is Lin-Manuel's, really his first directorial uh, piece. I legitimately 
believe he should be nominated for an Oscar for this movie. Yeah, I, I think it, I, I was that impressed by his direction and the editing in this movie that it's, uh, it's this is one of the top five movies I've seen this year. And I've seen just movies released this year. I think I'm at right now 40 mm-hmm. movies from just this year. And this is a top five movie for me, hands down, of new releases from this year. It's yeah, that it, good. And, and he didn't just take the musical and put it, you know, and, and it, so the what he did here is he took he took the musical um, and sort of wrapped it in all the stories that are happening in the musical and acted those out in ways that I don't remember in the actual show. No, certainly not. Um, and so it's been a long time since we've seen it and it's not something that you can just like turn on and watch. So I I'm not able to rewatch the Broadway production of tick, tick, boom. Um, but the fact that you have, you know, what is quote unquote, quote, the real world happening, which is, you know, the story of him trying to write this song to finish his musical before it has a workshop, a workshop debut mm-hmm. um, is happening. But you also have that interspersed with Jonathan Larson, well, Andrew Garfield as Jonathan Larson actually performing Tick, Tick, Boom in a really stripped down way. Because mm-hmm. the one we saw definitely had more of a set and than what was shown um, in in the movie. Um and I there's there's also that the, him workshopping like with that it, first it's time it's almost just like a, a larger it, yes like, yeah. workshop version of it, it. seems that was like that was his it. like one man well quote unquote one man type show but it, it's, he's got a band and everything um yeah it, so it is it is uh, a little bit of a of a meta breaking film in that way in that you get these these distinct timelines and characters like the 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 Jonathan Larson that's performing Tick Tick Boom is definitely a different character, almost a different character than the one going through the kind of the the real world timeline. And, and they start the movie in a really genius way, saying like, "This is Jonathan Larson's story." You know, he went on to create Rent. He never got to see that performed in, like fully. He died the night before it was going to pr- premiere. Um, and this is his story. And all of it's true, except the parts he made up, which is just a brilliant way to kind of like present who he is. Because, you know, this movie is full of like this false bravado and this like this. There's a lot of I don't I don't want to take up everyone's time, but I could talk forever about this movie because of the time period it takes place because of what else was going on at that time and just feeling so at home watching it. I completely agree with you. Um, I think the other piece that gets threaded through there is a little bit of like a magical realism Mm -hmm. and the way that it's touched. And maybe this is one of the things, Brian, that um, didn't work as well as in the Heights because I in, in, in the Heights, because I remember us discussing this, um, you know, there there are these touches where it's like we leave reality and we're living more in the headspace of the characters. And so, you know, the scene that stands out, well, there's two that stand out to me. Um, there's a scene with him and his roommate, best friend, uh, Michael, 
when Michael shows him his new penthouse apartment, you know, and they are suddenly in, you know, tuxedos with tails and they are ball dancing through the space and everybody now is in evening wear. Yeah, 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 it becomes a party, right? And you totally get that this is just the like hyperbolic presentation of this experience. You know, it fits perfectly in with everything else we similarly have a scene at the moonlight diner yeah um you know with amazing cameos from some of the greatest actors and actresses of broadway fame um and you know it just kind of like blows up the diner you know it ends with like the the wall of the diner falling down and like it becomes a full choreographed number it's right. incredible. And him conducting them like almost like a like an old style movie. Like yeah. he, like in a movie where you would see the actual orchestra like there it, it had very like an art and the Moonlight Diner supported that like art deco style yep. and everything. Yeah. Yep. Well, there's also I I feel like one of the issues within the heights we talked about that is not here is this movie feels lean in it's like runtime it's like there there's not a lot of fat on this movie like it tells the story it's constantly propulsing you forward every song feels perfectly placed there's no weird like in the heights when we talked about there were just we you know some of the characters i thought were off some of the musical numbers just felt like they were too too there like it was it was just about that and they were wedging other stuff around it where like the surreal aspects of it work so perfectly with the narrative that they set up from the beginning that you're just you're you're basically drawn to every character that's in this movie that's really interesting brian i i completely agree with you when we went to rewatch it last night i was shocked again like oh really it's two hours long because it feels so much shorter than that and just watching the editing even in those opening scenes like it moves at a pace you know like the transition between pieces and yeah the music definitely drives that um but lin-manuel's cutting even of the the space in between the musical numbers you know the layering of those those different timelines as you said like it integrates through so quickly right and he's cut music so like that's another thing to to consider here is that I would have? I wonder if Lin Manuel saw in the Heights and thought, "Oh, I can't do that here," like because there there are two songs specifically that are mentioned in the movie that are not sung, which is Sugar. Um, he mentions that he wrote a song about Sugar, and that's a whole performance in the show. Um, and the green green dress. So like when she takes off her coat. There's yeah. a musical number about the green, green dress, and they turn on the radio, and you can hear someone singing like in a Fran Pantuso between yeah. the sheets version of yes. Green, Green Dress. Um, so I think he really did take, quote unquote, uh, understood the assignment here mm-hmm. um, and made this more about the themes that were that were present. Instead well, of he makes it trying movie, to honor every right? second he, he, of what he makes right. it a movie, it's, and right. it's and and it's like musical. The problem with musicals is they're so long because if you do a, it's like doing an adaptation of a book, right? Like you're, how do you get a six hundred page book into a two hour movie? Mm-hmm. How do you get a three and a half hour musical 
into it with all the numbers that you have to have for musical. And I feel like he legitimately treated this like a film. And for somebody who doesn't know the show that well, I was completely fine with that. Like, I thought there was just in that. I thought there was enough music and it was the music was awesome. So I didn't miss any of those songs. So I don't know what I was missing. Um, So from somebody who doesn't have a connection in that respect, I thought it was fabulous. Now I can understand if maybe you're an intense lover of the show missing those songs. But again, like we've talked about when we've done novels here, like sometimes you have to get the, like you're saying, Jim, the theme or the spirit of it. Right. And that's the key. It's interesting to look at the three film productions that we've seen that, that Lynn has had a a controlling hand in, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously most so in Hamilton, um, and, you know, for the time that Hamilton happened, I think exactly what needed to happen happened, which was that they filmed the Broadway show, right? Like Broadway yeah. was shut down. So many folks who wanted to go see Hamilton couldn't see it because of the timing of the pandemic. And so, you know, filming the original cast and just bringing that into people's houses was exactly what needed to happen. In the Heights was this interesting merging and yeah, and we argued on it that I think it was still pretty close to the stage production, right? Like it, yeah. there were cinematic elements of it, but it stayed pretty true. You know, the if you listen to the music, it's it's pretty close to the original. Um, you're right, Brad. Like this, this is a cinematic piece. And what I love about it is it really does feel like a love song to Jonathan Larson. Yeah. Like the the... The love, the ode to, you know, the genius that was who and obviously like he was an inspiration to Lin-Manuel. We can see that in in everything that Lin does. And and to be fair, like when we compare this to In the Heights, it's a very apt comparison because I always feel like Tick, Tick, Boom and Rent are basically there's a very similar theme to both of them. One is just really much more refined and much more thematically thought out and one is much more a just purging from like your heart tick tick boom is just like a purge right it's like this and i feel like that's what in the heights is compared to hamilton they are both very similar in the themes that they present um and yeah i just think that that they've kind of both grew up and created the next big thing and it's interesting to look at their their piece before that. And the one thing I didn't mention is that while he took two songs out, he added a song in. So the, bo- bo- uh, the life Bohemia song hmm. that they, there's like the little impromptu song at the party yeah. it is what I don't believe it's actually in the show. Um, it is included on the soundtrack of the yeah. original show, but it's kind of like an afterthought and it's almost like a demo. Yeah. And it's just Jonathan Larson singing by himself and clapping. And so like bringing that into the movie, um, I thought it ends up being like one of the most amazing like character pieces of the movie because you get to see like kind of how these people are like what what their life is like and and they it, it seems the way that they characterize that song in the movie is that this happens all the time. Yes, it's it's the friendship and the artistry mixed together. Right, and there's there's like a um there's an authenticity to like who they are with each other that is shown in that song that mm-hmm. like he's unafraid. And to me, that's like the moment where like 
you get to see Jonathan doing the thing that sets him on fire, right? Yeah. And you don't really get to see that the rest of the movie. Well, and so it's interesting because he talks to, you know, the the man who's in charge of the theater workshop. He talks Mm -hmm. about that he writes these jingles all the, you know he writes yeah. and sugar is sugar one of the songs matches. that they kind of pulled out of the show that yeah. that plays a larger role in in the show um and then his roommate best friend michael also says you write these jingles all the time yeah. you know or just songs about daily life and this is the moment where we get to see it happen Right. And and it and it is actually one of those little bits that Jonathan Larson just it wasn't even part of the show. So it's like so perfectly placed to show what it's supposed to illustrate. Right. right? And it's this is like Andrew Garfield here, this performance and specifically this song. I felt like it's sort of where he disappeared for me and just became Jonathan Larson. Mm. Like there is not a moment in this movie where I recognize Andrew Garfield. I was going to say, I, I I felt that way from the very beginning. Yeah. yeah because you know, it, the way he walks, the, vi- the, the, the way vi- he walks out on stage. Because we have uh, video, yes. right, of Jonathan Larson, and he has fully taken on the yes. affect. Like when he walks on in that, what, how do you describe the video frame? Four by three. Yeah, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like he becomes Jonathan Larson in that opening scene, yeah. and, and it's incredible. Yeah. Like, well, he yeah. spent a year learning to sing for this role. He never he didn't know how to sing. That's yeah, Lin Manuel apparently said like, "Hey, uh, you already have the role, but uh, can you sing?" Oh my god! And he I said, know. "Well, how long do I have to learn?" He said, "A year," and he said, "Yeah, I can sing." Stop <laughs> it! Just That's awesome. insane. He's he's a pretty awesome actor uh, in yeah. general. That I think flies under the radar sometimes like he just does some really interesting things you know the spider-man thing was supposed to be his big break and then it kind that whole thing fell apart because of the mcu spider-man and stuff but he just does he's just social network he's i need to know more about him because so to me this fits into that like hugh jackman space of like there's a difference between being an actor and then being a musical actor right right? right. and so there's like a there's a body chemistry there's a choreography like i said to jim last night there are bits of choreography that aren't even it's not dance it's not like the dance was great but there's just these little moments and it's all for me with andrew garfield of the way he holds his space the way he responds to the music like yeah there is something about his performance that i find mesmerizing and it's all these little things no and i think this is an unbelievably accessible musical yeah. Even for people who aren't into musicals, like in the Heights, for example, or even Hamilton, like if you're not in the musicals, Hamilton is the legit Broadway version, as you brought up, Katie. And yeah. I loved it for that reason, because that's what they were trying to achieve there. I'm fine with that. Like, this is something you could watch if you're not a musical person, because they're the blending and performances and acting and editing and the way they cut it. And there are musical numbers, but it's like they're not the the musical numbers in this to me aren't even like the lead element of it. They're just blended in like a mm-hmm. character so perfectly. Like they're, they're wonderful where they're there, but they don't, they're not overbearing. They like move the story in like to, as a testament to hit just him as a writer, the oh. way they do it, I, but, you know, which is special. And I do still love, I love in the Heights, but there are to your point, 
there are moments in In the Heights where it feels like there's like a hard stop and then it's like, and now we'll start the next musical. And now number. I want to do this. Yes. Yeah, and, and, that and doesn't even, happen here. even the opening number I love, but there's like pieces of it that just aren't integrated perfectly or like. I don't know, just like the the lyrics, the, the musicality of it, something's a little bit off. Right, but well, compare that to that, Hamilton. Yes. I, yeah, totally, totally resolves, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, like, yeah, so like that's to me is just like the growing of Lin-Manuel yeah. in, in yeah, the music but, writing. My point was... And, oh, and but I meant oh, with, you like the way that, that it came to the screen. I didn't really mean the like oh. the song itself. I meant the... the how I, they put it on screen, I actually right? prefer the the musical recording of in the heights mm. to the movie soundtrack of in the heights correct I, yeah, there yeah. was something with the way that they brought it to film that yeah. just didn't oh. didn't work as well as what they've done with Tick we should Twitter. talk about this because i think if you go and listen to the broadway soundtrack for tick tick boom you're going to be a little shocked because they have updated the music significantly and it is and and i mean they you know re-recorded it from the ground up obviously much better oh yeah did you prefer the movie version arrangements and and everything yes and it's not it's not just um it's not just better production it is there are like choices that that like they they bring out like the first song it, it just feels like a better a bigger production well, than than the original it's true right I, so probably i mean had a lot more money to do. right like i you know tick tick boom was one of those off broadway right. it was his first thing that shows for that the longest it. time yeah until after rent was yeah. well it, it, established yeah but it's interesting too because this is like one of those questions you always have right like it's fascinating to me like if he had not passed away what would he have done like in terms of maybe revisiting tick tick boom it's like mm-hmm. what i think sometimes about the beatles like what if they had gotten like if john lennon hadn't been killed and they say got back together and did stuff and like remastered their own stuff sometimes like what what choices would they have made like in terms of going back and looking at some of that stuff and playing around with it and tinkering with it and making it i don't know I, and, I think it's interesting because i don't think real artists do that like I, I think they might tinker here and there. So but like, I think it depends on the artist, though, Jim. Because there, I, I agree, there's some who aren't, and then there are some who like are James constantly Cameron. doing. Well, James Cameron <laughs> or Francis Ford, Francis Ford Coppola. Like, there's that yeah. group of artists who want to constantly revisit their work. Ridley yeah. Scott is another one who wants to do that. Yeah, it's in, it is interesting. I, I th- there's there's definitely an updatedness to this. But it doesn't step out of the fact that this is an early 90s mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one thing I did want to talk about just quickly, and I love about this movie, is that it gives you a very specific time period, mm-hmm. which is, it is early 90s. Obviously, the AIDS epidemic is out of control. The The excess of the 90s or the 80s is sort of coming to an end, but we don't have Nirvana yet. Like the world has not heard smells like teen spirit and popular music has not changed in a way that like clearly he was already there, right? Like Jonathan Larson was already in that headspace and everyone else was catching up. Well, and I think it's important to keep it. And again, if we want to compare this to in the Heights, that's something that changed within the Heights time period shifted within the Heights. I think it was really important to keep this rooted 
first of all, as like Jonathan Larson's story, but also to keep it within the world that Rent existed right, in, right? right? Because yeah, because to see otherwise. the connection to Rent, right? Like you have to get. Yeah, it, it was necess- It was a necessary. Yeah, decision. I'm so glad that he. Yeah, kept it where it, it just, needed to be. To me, it's like so. Imp- I don't know. There's something about him looking around at his New York City and seeing the struggles of others, and kind of not just not just the AIDS epidemic, but also just like. Hey, like almost everyone around me at this age that is turning 30 is making a choice to like change what they want out of life or suffer because they're going to stick with what they want in life. Or you know what I mean? But like, I, but so, and I also, I also love that as much as this shines the light on Jonathan Larson, it doesn't show him as a perfect Oh, being, no, no, no. Right? he's a jerk. So you well, see his flaws, so right? And yeah. you see the compassion and the intelligence yes. and the genius of those around him and how vital they were for who he became. Right, but the, and and they also do a very good job of showing like these these character flaws, these things that make everyone human are there are reasons for it. There's like an insecurity to what he's doing that he holds that comes out in really detrimental ways right yeah. sometimes and and, and and he i shouldn't say he's awful to people he's not awful he just he just acts like he's someone that's committed. struggling to figure out well, whether he's doing the right thing or not yes but and, yeah. and and i don't think he's awful to anyone i think he's driven and i think that we oftentimes see folks that have who have prioritized but he's questioning their... that that's why he sure that's why he's defensive about it yeah it's not like he doesn't he's not getting feedback from his from his he's getting feedback from his friends that he is he's great but he's not getting feedback that he's created something great yet and i ugh, i yeah. love i love that i yeah. love that you see suburbia play out right i love that you yeah. see like and the emphasis on this has been eight years of my life, like eight years <laughs> that I have been waiting tables and trying to create this next great play. And and everything that he wagers on this workshop, you know, quitting his job and thinking that, like, I'm going to walk out of this workshop with a ten thousand dollar check and they are going to put it on Broadway and it is going to be the best thing and inviting everybody to come only to realize that like everybody sort of already knew that this wasn't going to be good the thing right right and it like and that moment with freaking judith light oh can we talk about judith light she's incredible i love her just for so much (laughs) and she is perfect in this role and you before you meet her you get the sense that this is an agent who's taking advantage of him who's blowing him off who's not doing her job, right? Like not doing the thing she's supposed to be doing, not inviting people to his show. And then the conversations that she has with him, you realize she knows exactly what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's the next show that's going to be the big one, right? Or it's going to it's going to put him closer. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's, it's great, just, right? It's great it, on display. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like every it's like everybody knows that he just has to get past this one. Yeah. Except him. Except for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I, I actually found that. And that's what, again, <sighs> like, I, I think so 
fascinating about this movie again used with the musicals it's usually about the music but yeah. like that's it's almost secondary here like seeing this person who you know goes on to re- write this like game changing you know maybe one of the from musical theater one of the most Im- important pieces ever written ever done um and to see like how close he came to leaving or what like that aspect of this is fascinating like you're seeing a genius and like that to me is always a fascinating idea like that line like how far are you willing to push it like if you don't get what you want like how do you devote eight years of your life to something like this where you're waiting tables and crummy job all this type of like that is i love fascinating there's some choices with this story that i think is interesting from the jonathan larson perspective which is that he chose to focus on creating something that didn't pan out, right? He also chose to focus on a on a romantic relationship that didn't pan out. And they don't they don't like bring that back together. They there's a little bit of closure as far as like, yeah, we're probably not right for each other anymore. Which is fine, but it's to me like it's pretty brave to do that um not just in the 90s when when he wrote that, but it's also pretty brave right now to keep that as part of this story which is they could have easily changed like him and Susan to be still together at the end of this movie or getting back together as and they didn't they just kind of let it fizzle and I think that's important for these characters Um, one of the other vibes I got and I I I, that early 90s there's a moment where where after the green dress where she tells him that she's gonna take the job in the Berkshires where they have Michael driving him into the new place. And there is such a Seinfeld vibe to that car ride. I don't know whether it's just New York and I'm used to seeing Jerry driving people around in cars now because of comedians and cars getting coffee. But there is, and I think there is like a Jerry Seinfeld, Larry David vibe to Jonathan Larson. I promise you it's not just because they're Jewish. There's like, a comedic anxiety to the way that those characters are prevented presented that I think are kind of similar. Like the, the there's little moments and I think we should talk about Michael as well, because that I think that actor did a fantastic job, but there's little moments between them that really crack me up and show. I think Andrew Garfield's acting like really elevated. And there's this moment where everyone is screwing with him. Whenever he brings up the the workshop, everyone's like, what workshop? And there's a moment where he has that with Michael, where Michael says, what workshop? And he says, um, superbia. And he starts laughing and he realizes that like, oh, he's like, oh, that was funny. That was funny. And Michael walks away. And then he, he pauses for a moment and he, he realizes that like, and, and there's probably so many emotions that, but you see him pause and take in the fact that his friends are screwing with him. And, you know, I think in that moment, there's a lot of things he can, he can be sort of realizing. One thing that I thought is that he starts to realize that his friends love him more than the thing that he's creating and they're going to show up for him. But I also think he knows what? Go ahead. We'll finish the thought. That I think he knows in that moment that it's sort of like, okay, I don't have to worry about my friend showing up, but 
they're they're gonna they're showing up out of out of you know obligation to to you know the fact that we're friends and they love me and I, and that that's great but I I want them to be there for a different purpose. So there's a whole piece there, right, where the advice he gets after the workshop is write what you know, right, and he created this dystopian musical, right, and and. Part of the issue was like having a hard time connecting, you know, figuring out the turning point of of the musical, like what would make this character change his mind and go one way versus the other. Um, you see him pause in that moment with Michael and he brings out his notebook and the thing he writes down is fear or love. Mm-hmm. Right. Um so what you says that to him in the diner. Yes. And so what you see between the two of them in every scene is so much love and connection, mm. right? And the the acting and we do need to highlight Robin De Jesus as Michael, the chemistry between the two of them as childhood best friends is so believable, yeah. you know? Um the notion that, you know, one of them is a gay man who ends up choosing to leave the acting life and take a career in finance, you know, finds out that he has HIV and just goes, goes all in on, you know, living out the time that he has left. And the bond between the two of them is like, I I don't know. It is so palpable. I, yeah, I found their relationship so moving as it was displayed on screen. And I don't know whether he's based on a real character or a real person in Jonathan Larson's life. If he's not, like, what an amazing yeah, and, contribution and, to the story. Yeah, agree. And it's funny that you kind of see those archetypes just transplanted to Rent. Yes, exactly. In, in, in Mark and exactly. Roger. Right. In, in different yes. ways, right? Like, not, you know, Roger's not gay and, you know, not that, that, the, the, that all that stuff that doesn't matter doesn't cross over, but like the the, the relationships. The relationships. Does, well, it, yeah. right, because I mean, you can say the same thing with like Tom Collins and right. Rent. Like, no, just but like that think dynamic. about Mark. Mark is struggling with the fact, like, should he continue the artistry, the artistry of yes. making film, or should he sell out and work for this like hard copy? Yes. Type? Like, yes. One hundred percent. Bill O'Reilly, baby. Yep. Um, are you surprised there hasn't been another attempt at Rent? Well, I think people just need. Next. I think people need time on that one. I, I, I. Do you think that, that, in my opinion, this one was probably so much easier to do an adaptation of because the love for it is nowhere near the love for Rent. Is Rent one of those ones that just like I, I like? I feel like Rent's one of those ones. It's like almost like a beloved Stephen King novel. It's like. People are so well, it has the same about it's it. The Hamilton. Hamilton yeah. will have the same problem. And like, I, but I have no you, doubt that... Cut, what do you do with... You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like that's so hard, whereas this, he was able to take swings and make yeah. choices and able to pull it off. Like, whoever gets rent, it's like you're almost better off. Are you better off just doing what yeah. they did with Hamilton and just film, like, a great Broadway version of it yeah. and go with you it need, that way? You need someone that will take big swings, and you need a screenplay that's not beholden to what the the show is. And um, yeah, I would love to see someone take 
Like, I'd love to see a team. Like, I would love to see Lynn manuel help with the screenplay of Rent and figure that out. But I do think Rent needs to be produced by, like, someone who has, like, 90s rock, like, in their veins. Like, the thing about the Rent movie that is so terrible is that it doesn't feel like mid-90s rock and roll. It feels like... It feels like... A Hallmark movie. Yeah, it feels really terrible. It yeah. feels so clean and so, like, sanitized and, and gross. Like, yeah. it, and that sounds really funny, but... Yeah, no, there's, some, there's something... It's, not, it, it's yeah. so you, antithetical to the yeah. entire point of the musical. Yeah, like, the musical had, had a rock band on stage. They were not in a pit. Like, you could see them playing guitars and drums and bass on stage with the cast. And again, we see that connection to Tick, Tick, Boom, which yeah. is so great, yeah. with, like, Jonathan Larson emphasizing the importance of I wrote a rock of the band. I wrote a rock score. <laughs> like, yeah. Doing yeah. whatever he needs to do in order to get that band on stage, on, you yeah. know, into the workshop. Oh, God, this movie. Do you yeah. know what was uh, impressive? me and this is not a person i'm usually impressed with but i thought the the performance was subtle and she didn't make a big deal vanessa hudgens mm-hmm. yeah yep. you almost like great. don't you almost don't recognize mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it's, it, it, it's like she's just i don't know what it is it's it, lin-manuel uses her so perfectly like you know who she is you know she's this big but but it's like a stripped down version mm-hmm. of it yeah and it just like i i i, I was like so drawn to that i was like I was like, oh, Vanessa Hudgens is this. I, and I'm like, but there's nothing like she, everything she does is like spot on how he uses her. Like, well, she's just I, playing a fabulous. professional vocalist who's like yeah, showing so up to good. do her job. I don't That's know how much only... he casts himself, but his casting is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he, he works with someone. So like, yeah, you can't. The director is always going to be final say on casting. I would assume. I only today Unless found you're... out that the the waitress character I don't know her name yeah. in the show. She played Angel on Broadway. Oh, okay. That makes I, Yep. Yeah. I like I just love all of like when you look into like the folks that he chooses. Yeah. This this play, this I'm sorry, this movie is it truly is an ode to Broadway. It is. Yeah, but it's also so subser- subversive yes. to it at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is important. I think I think you know, there's that moment where he's looking they they uh I paid much more attention on a second watch to the 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 play game rap, which I think is hilarious. Awesome cameo by Black Thought from the Roots doing the the, the rap. This. But he's talking about like how Broadway is just stale and dead, and and like if you remember 1991, like we're talking about like you were going to see Cats. Starlight Cats. Express, baby. Not just that, that but like Starlight like, Express, get on those like, rollerblades. Think about the music that was popular, like like Poison and and like the worst of Bon Jovi and stuff like that was like. Oh no, no, people... no, my friends, that is not the worst of Bon Jovi. Come on, always. Come <laughs> but on, like all, all those, all those like spandex wearing like hairspray bands. And then just fast forward like three, four years, and like, what does popular radio sound like? Not just with rock, but like hip hop and and you know popular music in general just gets turned on its head um, in almost every genre. And and I feel like it's it's such an interesting to think about that Jonathan Larson was feeling the same exact way 
about Broadway musicals at that moment. I don't know. It just struck me as something that on the second watch, I'm like, oh yeah, of course. Like he's, I mean, it's, it's not even in the subtext. He, they're coming right out and saying it in rap yeah. or in that, in the, in the play game rap. As we wrap up though, we do have to acknowledge the role that Stephen Sondheim oh, yeah. and, and the influence that those early musicals had on him. I mean, he's still, that's why he loves it. That's why he, no, <laughs> right. no. Yeah. Yeah. He's just saying like, those people, when those shows came out, were game changing. And like, but he, I think what he was saying is like the recent stuff that people are throwing money behind is like, eh, yeah, cheap. versions of what yeah, that right, right would have been. Right? right. I also thought that Bradley Whitford is always fabulous and everything. Oh, so good. so the performance almost doesn't even matter. But it's the scene right. where, he, like, and you can imagine. You're somebody like Jonathan Larson who's been working on this and your friends are telling you it's amazing. But when Stephen Sondheim like leaves you that message saying all these things and I'll show up at your thing, like what that means to someone like that. And that choice from Lynn to keep that piece of the story honest in that. You know, he didn't make it as some unknown, you know, just a made up name. And then everybody gets to guess on, you know, what Broadway big wig it was, mm-hmm. um, you know, that he he honor he honors Stephen Sondheim. And, and, and he passed away. He did. But R. I'm R. so glad that this like this happened. Hopefully you got to see it. Yeah. yeah. Like what a lovely tribute to him. Yeah. And yes. The, and the, I, I also love the the comedy of that moment with. Richard Kind yeah. is hilariously oh God, done amazing. in a way that like is so unexpected in this movie. Um and they keep it going to the point where after the fact when he comes up to when Bradley Whiffer comes up to Jonathan Larson at the piano and says, you know, I think you're missing a song you um for the young lady in the second act, blah blah blah. It's the turning point, all that stuff. Um he turns and Richard Kind's still sitting there. He goes, "Yep, we're saying exactly the same thing <laughs> in different ways, but yeah, exactly yeah. Just, we're saying it to you in different oh, ways." Oh, it was great, so uh, good. But but this is proof to me too, um, where director's choice makes a huge difference. When you said like Lin Manuel has such credibility, he can change, manipulate, right. do whatever he wants, and I mean, he'll be called out maybe, but he can still do it. So there's something freeing about that, probably. And you end up with a better product. I just I love how he gets all of those cameos in there in such He's subtle ways. Himself, I, mean, I thought he was funny. Freaking Mandy Patankin uh, shows up in the televised version of a Sunday in the park with yeah. George that they're watching, you know? Yeah. And and the fact that he's the he's the short order cook at the moonlight uh, yep, moon dance diner, and I think they're telling him like like chill out, chill out, and he's yelling at them like the eggs are up, and oh, is someone so saying to him tranquilo, tranquilo. Yeah, oh. it's good. God damn it, I love it. Watch it on Netflix. Please watch this. Yes, should should receive. It's been getting a lot of nominations for things. That's I think exciting. This is one we might hear about again. Uh, okay, King of the Hill, bottom of the barrel. <sighs> Ooh, is it worse than Caddyshack 2? No. No. Certainly not. Uh, is it better than Aliens? I think you have to ask me in 20 years. I know. It's so hard to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this over. Because I'm going to say, like, I am, ex- I am so excited to rewatch this over and over again. Like, this, this lit a fire in me. And I 
absolutely adore aliens, but I hope that this is going to be something that we look back to in 20 years as a freaking masterpiece. Well, I hope someday we can show this to our kids and aliens. I think we can show Based on our current experience with Stranger Things. We tried Stranger Things. We're not going to get through the first episode. It didn't go well. No. Not going to work. Okay. So I'm going to put it over. I'm going to let Brian go. Uh, I would watch this movie over aliens. Okay, then I guess we'll put it in King of the Hill. Let's let's make it King of the Hill. I if can be swayed. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. We're talking aliens, not. Well, we can do whatever the hell we want. Not alien. Not. Uh, <laughs> We're talking alien. I mean, I honestly, I, you know, we're not talking about alien and aliens, but after our watch of aliens. And Alien, I think Alien dropped a little bit in my camp, and mm. Aliens was elevated a little it's, bit yeah, for me. Yeah, so good. It is so good. I know. Well, we'll get Lin-Manuel to weigh in on it. <laughs> All right, it's time get for Get him to do questions. the musical version. You want answers? You want answers? answers. I want the truth! What makes a man, Mr. Lebowski? What the fuck is the internet? What? Why? Five question time. Jim will be answering five questions. Yeah. Katie will be asking. I'm excited to ask you these questions, and I have to acknowledge your role in uh, in turning me on to Jonathan Larson mm-hmm. early in our relationship. Before we were even dating, mm-hmm. you got me into Rent, mm-hmm. and I... I thank you. For that. Probably how I ended up uh, marrying you. That's how you got in my pants. <laughs> oh, God damn it. It took a nice, sweet moment. I thought that was like a positive affirmation about your relationship. And Brian, I've been waiting for that yeah, for so long. Years. I know. I was like, this is like, this is genuine. This is pure. This is, this is like, this is what we did this podcast for. Nope. Right, right, right down there. You took me to see it in Scranton and that woman fell down the stairs. That's what I remember about that. She my mom the, was with us. Yeah, your she? mom came too. Yeah. And the lady fell down the balcony steps. Oh. Striking. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Thumbs up okay. or thumbs down? Working in food service. For me, absolute thumbs down. Granted, I think I was probably in the wrong position. Uh, what was your position? I was a busboy for one night at a restaurant. So my Aunt Margaret knew someone that that had, you know, needed help at this restaurant. Um. It was not too far from my house. It was right on Garrett Road. I went one night, and uh, a kid I knew was also working there. He was a waiter. Um, And I was only going to do, like, one night a week or something. This was during high school. I forget how old I was. I was not not very old. Um, And I worked from, like, 3 or 4 p.m. So, like, before dinner, all you did is, like, wrap silverware and make sure it was ready to go. And this was like a nice Italian restaurant. Like I'm talking like if you were out for the two of you, you know, right now in like in with inflation, it'd probably be a hundred dollar meal mm-hmm. if you got wine, you know? Um, so not like, not like, you know, Ponderosa, but no, thanks to <laughs> not, nothing, nothing thanks, wrong with Ponderosa. No, Katie worked there. I was just saying, um, I worked there from four to like midnight, right? So like, af- so after close, you have to clean everything. Um, and they paid weekly, and so like I got my check before I went back for the next night, and it was like fourteen dollars. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no, never, never, never doing this. 
Um, I don't know if you could call my time at the Pretzel Bakery food service. I was well, more you were a creating. Sure, that is, you that were see, I, that's more my. I feel like if Amazing. I was in the kitchen, yeah. I would have had a much better experience. Agreed. Um, oh, I mean, you've proven you that. I'm kind of glad I did They're not fabulous. find that early on because I feel like I never would have left that. Oh, interesting. Okay. I do think that there is something about cooking for people. That is a lot like performing music that that mm. is very intoxicating. In I feel like way. that would have been a quick trip to you being some sort of an addict. Yeah. <laughs> and we would have yeah. never met. Right, right. <laughs> okay. All right, Question on number two. two. <laughs> would you rather live in the city or in the Berkshires? Uh, depends on the city. If we're talking New York City... I would rather live in New York City of the 90s than the Berkshires, but I don't think I would want to live in New York City now. All right. Well, fair. Fair. Question number three. The best play or musical adapted to film oh, This is, is so tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I want the truth, Jim. That is a great choice, Brian. I really do love A Few Good Men. Um, yeah, I don't... But, so this is an interesting. Are you saying that the the adaptation is the best, or are you saying the the play is the best? It's the adaptation. The best adaptation. Okay. Um, I guess yeah. I guess a few good men is probably my favorite and maybe the best. Um, because I don't think the play would probably be boring compared to the movie depending mm-hmm. on the performances. So I, I would say that the film actually elevates it, except for that god-awful score. Oh, yeah, so Ugh. bad. Which, so to bad. be fair, that score wouldn't have been in they the hated play, me. So. Yeah. Yeah. Question number four is our favorite question. What is your favorite dish to order at a diner? Ooh, this Ooh. all depends on how hungry I am. Mm-hmm. So if it's like a hang, like if you're if you're just going there to hang out and waste time, like high school we would do, mm-hmm. I think fries. It's just like straight up fries. Just straight fries. Or, because diners usually do fine fries. They do. Um, but if you're there and you're hungry, I think uh, an omelet, bacon yes. and cheese. Mm. I go mushrooms and cheese. I'm mushrooms and cheese, yeah. yeah um, home that. fries or, or hash browns? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the hash browns I'm thinking of like is the shredded version oh, yeah, yeah. home fries. I think more of the cubed. Ooh, it depends. I guess I guess I would have to see how they do them. Mm-hmm. I prefer the hash browns if they're made crispy. Mm-hmm. But if they're like yeah. soggy and starchy, no, no thanks. No, no, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Thank you. Agreed. No. Question five is our deep thoughts question. If you could have, we'll see. <laughs> you do have an artistic talent. That's true. You can play. You music, do have so. an artistic talent, but but if you could have another artistic talent besides the one you possess, yeah. Let's um, all, let's all answer this question. Okay. okay, I'll go first. I would make um, wine bottle art, like Richard. <laughs> that's, that's what I would. That's do. a callback to season <laughs> whenever of Com Majors. Wine bottle, the art, deep cuts. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, like the the thing I would like to be able to do is to sing like really, really well. Mm. Is to be like an actual vocalist. Yeah, I okay. think. Fair. Katie. I would want like? to be an exceptional pianist. Okay. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I do. I love playing the piano. I'm not very good at it. I would love to be fabulous. Great. 
Well, I, you do I a do... great job playing our intro to oh, the thanks, show. Brian. I'm thinking podcast. of revamping it for season three. I, I, I in a little which percussion. Which is available on all podcast uh, services if you're not listening already. There is something also to the, the, the piano in the beginning of this movie that just gives me chills. The way that he starts that song, like, din, 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 din. Oh, so good. Just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, love it. Uh, all right, that's five questions. Uh, recommendations? Um, anything i you know i don't know if i'm ready to recommend it but i started watching the wheel of time on oh, amazon i want to know what a, you think of it and I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts i need i am halfway through maybe the second episode i think i need to give it a little more time before i can recommend it i never finished the book series i think i only read one and a half maybe um okay. before i gave it up um so we'll see we'll see how it goes other than that you are watching Hawkeye. I, I am watching Hawkeye. I would, I would definitely recommend Hawkeye? that. I would definitely recommend Hawkeye. Yes. Um, yeah, I am excited to see where it goes this season. Um, yeah, so those those would be my two recommendations. Uh, I'm going to recommend on Disney Plus the Beatles Get Back. Okay. I watched the entire almost seven hours of it, which is not for everyone. <laughs> I was enthralled by it. But I, that's this is my type. Like, there's something to me about watching this group. Yeah. Like, it, it could artists be, like, like in that moment, right? Yeah, in that, like, you hear them. Like George Harrison walks in, and, and Yoko and John Lennon are there, and he's humming out like what's going to be um, something. And it's like you just see they they run for like five minutes straight, just like Paul McCartney sitting there figuring out what get back is going to be. And then Ringo and, you know, is sitting there with George Harrison. And at first they're just listening and then they cut to what's like 10 minutes later. And then they're all playing parts and they're, I, I, I could watch it again and again and again and again and again. Like I'm so in, it's like these people watching them work. I don't know. There's something about it and I get, it's not for everybody, but for me, I loved every second of it, even mm-hmm. as long as it was. And there was like 18 hour cut originally. <laughs> and I probably could have watched the 18 hour cut. I was that like into what it is there. Uh, my criterion choice just added to the criterion um, channel this month is the French connection with the amazing Gene Hackman. I've never so seen if, it. If you've never seen it. Have to watch it. No. Fabulous movie. Katie, anything you would like to recommend? Um, uh no cream cream liqueur survival right now is the thing that i recommend as we get closer to the holidays just uh one foot in front of the other meditation and yoga those are the Uh, things that i'm recommending right now and one hope wine make Hmm? sure you follow katie to order amazing one hope wine yep all right we will be back soon everybody all right goodbye bye everyone bye everyone (laughs) 